to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Hello, listener, and welcome to The Big Red Couch, episode 107. Here on a pleasant evening in England, I'm Craig. And on the other side of the world, attempting to cope with the existence of mourning... It's Ben. Hey, Craig, how's it going? All right. Um, I, I, I have to ask, because it's topical, are you making your voice deeper? <laughs> no, I am just being slightly sick. I'm, I'm not trying to compete with a beautiful angel pirate man. Yep, that's sick, all right. <laughs> okay, so... Our prompt for today comes to us from the delightfully named spam bot Red Gore. I'm hoping it's a um, deep Southland socialist state that we will see in the next few, you know, years. Uh, oh, the, uh, yeah, somewhere in the, in the middle of, of Otago, there Gore will become its own socialist um, little community. I was trying to decide whether it was just a reference to bloodshed or some sort of obscure slur on a former US vice president and presidential candidate. And I can't even figure out which sort of slur it would be. It's very confusing, the uh, the, the, the colour schemes in American politics, much like everything else. Yeah. Okay, and the, the prompt is accessing the memory bank. I kind of wish we'd kept the spam, because I really want to know what the hell they were trying to sell. Yeah. It probably would have just made no sense. So probably best that we forget and um, repurpose the the, the um, missile rather than the payload. That makes sense. Use their evil for good, that kind of thing. Or at least not as bad. <laughs> not, a, not as evil. Yes. Yay! <laughs> Speaking of which, is, is Google in the, um, the market for a new motto? <laughs> <laughs> Be less evil. Yeah, I haven't yeah. I haven't been following the Google thing. I've seen references to it, but I've been up to my eyeballs in Amazon machines, so haven't haven't been focused that much on the news. I, I believe the motto was patched out silently at some point. Ah, so. <laughs> Google, don't look behind the curtain. Yeah, it's moved to so like evil. We've heard about it. It's like what's this evil thing everyone's talking about? <laughs> Yeah, you seem to be searching for evil. Yeah. Oh, well. Right. So. So, I have ideas for this. They are mostly mm-hmm. based on word association, if we're being honest, but I have ideas. That is kind of the format of our show. Yeah. Run on word association for, from random cards. Someone's probably using it as a wacky divina- divination technique, as far as we know. That would be awesome. I like the idea that somebody is using our barely coherent ramblings to give their life focus and direction. I'm slightly horrified by it, but my more megalomaniacal side uh, is secretly pleased. Hey, it's, 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 you know, we can be someone's wacky internet Ouija board. And, uh, you know, it's probably more accurate than a horoscope. Mm, always wanted to be somebody's spirit animal. <laughs> All right, well, sh- shall I kick out kick out my idea and we can sort of slap it around a bit? Sure. Alrighty. I should preface this by by saying that Memory Bank, through some sort of tortured 
shred of, let's laughably call it logic, put me in mind of the radio telescope Jodrell Bank, and then I couldn't get that idea of enormous satellite dishes or enormous uh, antennae pointed at the sky out of my head. Okay. And so what I came up with, because, yeah, I've got a couple of ideas and then one really weird outlier idea. Uh, so Sitting is a transhumanist post-mortality society. Maybe mm-hmm. they've gone to the extent of post-individuality, or maybe that's sort of you know, out there in limited amounts. But memories, this is a setting where memory and experience can be uploaded and can be downloaded. Uh, so you, know, you don't just know Kung Fu, you have the memories of hundreds of hours of training and the experience to use that training. Mm-hmm. And because you've got the, the full-on post-mortality thing of copying yourself into a new body, um, resurrecting from a previous save point, etc., you've got the issue that with these potentially unlimited lifespans that on-site, as in in your head storage, becomes an issue, and so you really need to go to cloud storage on a gigantic scale. When so... The idea, the, the first idea I came up with was basically what happens when you can't access that cloud. So you wake up in a nicely appointed shelter in, in the middle of what looks like an archaeological dig, and there's a lot of high-tech stuff around, and it looks familiar, but you've actually got no clue how it works, or who you are, or who the other people in the camp are. I mean, they look familiar, but kind of as fishing buddy, or... We drunkenly hooked up that one time, not dude with four arms or 12-foot-tall robot chick. And according to what people were able to figure out from the emergency medical system, your memories are up there, orbiting somewhere, safely. But (laughs) the quantum network is offline, whatever the hell one of those is. And your only options to get those memories are to use that shuttle that nobody can remember how to fly, or come up with some other way of accessing your memory bank. Hmm. So it's IT call out the post-human fantasy. More or less, yes, except you are your own IT support, and you don't know how anything works. You are Chad and Taylor, and you don't... (laughs) But you've forgotten how to be Chad and Taylor. Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. (laughs) It, I mean, yes, it falls, it falls right into the very standard Craig trope of let's just dump the players into the middle of it and see what they do. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a it's a classic, and and to be honest, it's very close to the idea that I came up with. Just the the technical justification actually is probably the the biggest point of difference. So yeah, so what would there be a mechanical component or? Um, would you give people a character sheet with huge chunks of redacted skills and so forth? Or would they be building their character, so like something like um, like Siren or something like that, out of, you know, lint and, and stuff they find in their pockets? It... I think it would depend on what sort of game I wanted to run. Because there is the question of why does this theoretically instant theoretically unhackable, theoretically unbreakable connection 
suddenly not work. If it's just, you know, if the game is something weird has happened, this is a symptom of it. I, and I was using something like um, Eclipse Phase to go for the really obvious transhumanist um, RPG. Yeah, I'd be heavily editing the heavily heavily editing the character sheet so that most of the knowledge skills are gone. Hmm. You know the stuff that the stuff that it's reasonable to think that you might leave in backup until you needed it. If, on the other hand, this was some sort of creepy, well, people have been cut off from their memories deliberately and for a reason. Then which sounds Siren... more, yeah, that sounds more like a game there, or at least a, 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 the the thriller element of it, of the game. It's the I, I can fully understand knowing kung fu being something that's useful to have, but maybe you don't have it, have it on tap all the time. But you know, in, in role playing games, I mean, when you have a skill. That's how uh, that is your facility with deep and and complex aspects of that that area of knowledge and ability. It's not the ability to recognize stuff. If you've got the if you've got drive zero, you probably still know what a car is and does. Mm. You just might not be able to execute anything more than the swerve a couple of feet, um, fail to change gears, hit lamppost. Yeah, or do the equivalent of bunny hopping down the road in your hover car. Yeah, but you still probably know what a car is. The implication from your, your the pitch is that you've forgotten who... You you know what things are generally, but you've forgotten who people are and so forth. So it's like a personal experience thing, which is... Yeah, that is... that is. I don't know if it is functionally distinct, but it feels um, quite different to deep muscle memory, um, like you know, honed skill sets in very specific fields. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah, from from that point of view, the somebody has done this to you definitely works better. I mean, the obvious thought is there is an extra member of the team and none of you know who it is or even that there's an extra member of the team because yes, you've been fucked with sufficiently for that to happen. This is getting increasingly close to dark matter. Indeed, actually, that's that's a good, yeah. The, the whole the the amnesiac gang wakes up and tries to figure out who they are. It's not. It's also very. Well, it certainly was a relatively common trope back um, in the role playing competitions of the nineties that were held in Auckland um, under the uh, Flying Crocodile Cup. Okay. You know, a lot of the a lot of those things was a because it was a role playing competition. You had like three to four hours to pick up your your pre assigned character sheet and do the thing. Often people were either just waking up in a weird situation or were um, inmates in a, in a psychiatric institution who were actually like Celtic gods or things like that. So there was clear. So it, because, because you, 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 you are in a fish out of order situation anyway, using that was pretty effective. And yeah, it was actually what I harked back to the very, the very first thing that I thought of was that sort of, sort of situation. Sue, so, why an archaeological camp? for this this particular spin. It was the first thing I could think of. Basically, if you set this set that set up on a heavily populated world, you you're not in the middle of a scary situation, you're in the no. middle of a global disaster and a lot of mm. people are going to die. Archaeological camp, it's limited in scope. 
uh, to a certain extent. It's isolated. Yeah, from a GM point of view, you don't have to have 50 million NPCs to deal with. Hmm. Basically, the, resu- the, 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 the human resources available to them are the people seated around the table. Yeah, but they will have survival equipment and all the wherewithal to do whatever they were doing and, and subsist wherever they are, just that they currently don't know how to use it. Yeah. yeah no, that's, that's extremely, that's valid, extremely valid. Yeah. I mean, from the, you know, if you were going with the, this is a thing that's happened that isn't targeted, it's possible that, you know, if we're going with the meddling in stuff that you really shouldn't have, they triggered something that has, you know, has, has woken up and is messing up the data space. It's not intentional, but the effect is they're cut off from their memories, and there's a whole bunch of very shiny equipment that they used to remember how to use. They had hundreds of hours of experience using it, all of which is floating 400 miles up in a satellite they can't get to. Mm, No, that makes makes extremely solid sense. I mean, if it was just like a hunting trip or something, they'd have those other elements of isolation and, you know, and limited resources, but less of the ver- uh, less of the, the sort of adventure exploring the unknown angle and far fewer excuses to say, oh, you poked the ancient wuggy thing and something happened. Mm. Cool. And yes, the the other idea kind of spinning off from or, yeah, spinning sideways from there and you know, working not in a isolated environment, but right in the thick of things. If, you know, again, you've got this, this post-mortality transhumanist setting, but it's not post-scarcity, hmm. you've got the situation where it would be damn near impossible to have everybody alive at the same time. And so if you've got basically people in storage in some enormous storage infrastructure somewhere, and periodically, as I guess their number comes up and works through the ranks, they get reinstantiated or at least activated enough to make the decision as to whether they want to reinstantiate or or whatever but what if you've got the circumstance where there's somebody who is currently dead in cold storage depending on your computer technology possibly very cold storage and locked up in that one person's memories and personality is the bit of information that you need and so all you've really got to do to get at it is to get to this presumably incredibly secure facility, break in, find the person, make a copy of them, reinstantiate that copy, and then the easy part is over, and you can move on to the much harder getting their cooperation bit of the plan. But it is definitely dependent on them existing. Yep. It's basically a heist. <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting. Copy napping. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Or or doppelnapping, if I'm going to call back to the um, overdrawn at the memory bank um, story. Mm. In fact, it, it, it could be a, a, a Inception kind of deal. Maybe, even if it isn't, if it isn't like scarcity, maybe you, you're going in to, to hijack someone's last backup so that you can get the information out of them. Maybe even the current version has had the memory like specifically scrubbed, so they can't reveal this information. But they have a um, a previous copy before that procedure was done, so you've got to jack them, <laughs> get them to be a, a real boy once more, 
and and go go on with your evil scheme. <laughs> this sounds all sorts of unethical. I gotta say. Oh yeah, amazingly unethical because it's yeah, it's very much a you wouldn't steal a car, but you might make an exact copy of of somebody. You wouldn't kidnap a person, but you might make an exact copy of a human being. Yes, yes, and at that point you start to raise certain ethical questions about if something thinks it's alive and can suffer and can have its its you know rights and freedoms curtailed i mean if it's physically possible to do that what are we dealing with here Ah. also once you've got the information and you turn it off again have you just murdered them that is an excellent question um (laughs) and maybe what you are attempting to explore in your in your in your setting hmm yes that is a that's kind of fucked up, but yeah, that's interesting. The idea that you know you're, you, that you're you're going in to take someone's backup brain for a bit of a spin and find out what they know. It doesn't even have to. Be, I mean, it doesn't even have to be physical if you can spin them up in an environment. This does, yeah. yeah. This this does kind of work back towards the the overdrawn of the memory bank thing. No, I have not seen it. Apparently, it was an MST three K, um, deservedly so, and with a with a young or old julia so it's definitely something i've got to check out now (laughs) i think i've seen it but it was so long ago all i basically remember is that it got quite creepy towards the end and at one point he was a monkey yeah yeah that's uh that's part of the reviews that i saw of it but effectively that that one with the memories were being treated as vr experiences more than anything um and the Something went wrong, and the guy wound up being plugged into a supercomputer to keep while his body was relocated. Hmm. It all went a bit strange. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's less about yes, less about memories, more about experience. But it does point to this to the idea that you know that if you can either, um, like, I mean, there, there's a very, very strong indication that something like torture doesn't work. But, say, taking a copy of somebody's brain and then spitting them up in dozens of virtual simulations and just trying random shit to find out what they know. Oh. If you could spin up a real, realistic enough environment that the person thinks they have been reinstantiated in some circumstance where they actually need to go and use that information... I think that was a uh, that was actually a wheeze and Rick and Morty as well. So it was technically done in an episode of Futurama, mm-hmm. trying to get Fry's pin for a thousand-year-old bank account. Right. Not that that is that's that's a. Oh, I know enough about bank banking technology. No, that makes no sense whatsoever unless you have to have a thousand-year-old ATM and a card. Yeah, because <laughs> that's the bit that you're at. You know, the bank account is a is a functionally separate thing. So, yeah, they would have been off just cloning Fry. Well, probably. <laughs> mm, or slapping him around a bit until he told them. But uh, they, they went with the funnier option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Cuckoo. So, yeah, those, those are what I came up with. The what the hell is going on and the flat-out heist game. Heist with enormous amounts of moral ambiguity game, perhaps more accurately. Yeah, yeah, no, that's 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 pretty stellar, and you could you could do any cut of high tech um, heist or cyber raid or whatever 
whatever approach you want to take for that one. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I like it. Um, shall I unpack my idea, which has kind of been, is, is very, along, very, very much along similar lines, I gotta say, with this particular one. Okay. Lay, lay it on me. Pretty much my one is, it's a, a similar sort of notion, and not quite as high tech. But the idea that neuroscience has taught us that memories are fungible and, and, and can be, every time that they're recalled, they are basically reprocessed to get altered very slightly. And things, you know, things change over time. And the next, the, some glorious advance means that they can extract these memories and preserve them. So, you know, they, they don't, they don't deteriorate. Okay. The thing is, the weird thing is you don't have access to those memories anymore. But it's very chic to make sure that your memories aren't going anywhere or be or becoming flanderized or in some sort of way. So this is a so this is a service that's provided. The thing is, of course, no one's entirely sure what's replacing those memories, whether it's just kind of like static or they're swapping it in for some sort of undecryptable chunk of someone else's memories, which you can't access because they're not it's not they're not yours, you can't figure them out. Until maybe things start, say, slowly leaking through the, um, start le- leaking through the walls. And just trying to figure out why you, 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 the idea of, you know, pulling chunks of people's experience out of their heads because they want to preserve them for, or even possibly if they just don't want to have them anymore, some sort of trauma is, 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 is associated with that. Would that get rid of the trauma though? Would that actually do them any good? I'm just sort of thinking of those sorts of ideas. So I, I, Eventually, I came back to very much a sort of the idea to the ones that um, I've seen in those, the the, the role-playing competitions all, all those years ago. Basically, the party wakes up in one of those beautiful, high-tech, clean, the walls appear to have their own internal light source, beautifully laid out, spa. And apparently, they've, been, they've come to this place for, for, for to have their, their, their memories treated, and they wake up, but they don't know what happened and why, who, who these people are and what they're doing here. And they start to, and there's no attendance apparently. They start looking around and then they find the first kind of bloody handprint. And it all goes downhill from there. Huh. So the isolation factor is that this, the place is kind of vast and, and they're not sure where they are inside it. Um, it's isolated from things outside because it's supposed to be exclusive and, and interesting. And they're probably in, like, bathrobes. Hmm. Very high-end bathrobe with a mo- monogram on them, but bathrobes. Oh, yes. Bathrobes. Yeah. So, yes, and they, they get to go looking for... They, they get to uncover the... Apparently, maybe what, whatever they think, the, whatever thing they're doing, the, the memories they've been sacrificing to whatever the Elder God or the implants driving people crazy have has come to a head while they were while they were um being prepared for their procedure and so they didn't they they got the, the, the they had they got to the stage where your your sort of your mind is prepared you know with with, with the drugs so you're receptive to the process and shit went down and now they're in this huge deserted place something very like a system shock kind of feel to it it's like oh i've woken up everything is bad there might be there might be cyber zombies out there so system shock, but in the dollhouse. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it could be it. It it, it would start lean leaning horror-y, I think, especially if you have people who are you know if if you're going to take the dollhouse, people staggering around in a kind of a um, vaguely bulk erased mental state. 
you know, trying to deal with these these things. And I was thinking possibly a, a Siren thing with, except maybe not what you have in your pockets or something, or you find things as you go mm. to attach characters, situations, and traits to. Cool. Yeah, that's... Well, I mean, the bloody handprint turns it into... Yeah, that's creepy and threatening. Without the bloody handprint, it's just creepy. So either yeah, works. I, I, I think the, the, the hubris of mucking with man's sort of like intrinsic memories and identity, I think, spins out into the, okay, it's all gone. Feral. We have to deal with... We are in, we are in trouble. Seems thematically... It seems it seems pretty standard to be honest, but it seems appropriate. Mm. I, there was the question you'd asked, the, the thing you'd posed earlier about you know does does taking the memories of a traumatic incident away get rid of the the PTSD, which kind of had me thinking of memory removal as go- part of the sort of the golden hour treatment. That in addition yeah, yeah. to sort of med- you know, physical stabilization, it's just a okay. Does this tick enough boxes to warrant P, uh, PT, you know, anti-PTSD protocol? Yes. Okay, let's remove those memories before they have the opportunity to form any kind of long-term association. Hmm. I don't know whether that contributes to the, the, the situation or not. It was just what came to mind. Interesting thing, yeah. Um it would, I think, in, in real world practicalities, it would mean that you know you'd run out of witnesses for events pretty quickly of, of that sort, mm. and possibly just you know blank out and you know, and and coming back. And people telling you something terrible happened, and you may have has sustained an injury, but not knowing what it is might actually be more traumatic. It may be healthier to deal with what happened. Mm. It might be less healthy to not deal with what happened rather than not having to deal with it, but still. Yeah, and from from personal point of view, I do have a solid gap in my memory that I know about, um, and it's disconcerting. It's completely unremarkable, but it is disconcerting mm. to have this complete blank. Oh, yeah, to lose to lose consciousness randomly is really upsetting. It's a, it's a whole thing about identity and... Mm you existing functionally uh, practically speaking so it's like yeah you have no idea what the hell you were doing or who was driving during that time period as it were mm. so yes that's that could be a yeah that could be a suitably creepy and weird kind of thing and yeah you know, as like like i said it very much suits the okay turn over your character sheet this is where you are this is that's what you know go scenario yeah i I would be tempted, well, I would try desperately not to do the and one of you is the secret traitor bit because it's kind of boring and to a certain extent people are going to expect it. That's fair. Though the temptation to put in stuff so that people can get paranoid about it while they're actually being no secret traitor, uh, I might succumb to that one if I'm being honest. Um, to be, yeah, I think it would make good sense that everyone has a secret. Mm. And there might be a suspicion that someone's in on whatever's going on, but it is more likely that they have things that they need to protect that don't involve the the ex, the, the necessary extinction of the rest of the party. Mm. Cool. So you had a third janky idea that you wanted to lay out? Yes. Uh, this, this one's a bit more Doctor Who than 
eclipse phase, but um, and it is still based very much on that enormous radio telescope on the skyline kind of mental image, because once that got in my head, it was just not going away, ever, apparently. Um, and so the idea here would be that it's... Oh, you could use almost any technological setting, so this is one that you could just as easily use modern day. And it's basically that the world is wrong, that there are these false memories being beamed out into people's heads of this completely constructed history 24-7. So it is very akin to something from, I think, the previous season's Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. And it's only by a complete freak of circumstances that, you know, a storm outage interrupted the signal for you and some other people like you just long enough for you to notice that loss of signal. And now, with this storm of the century that is bearing down on where you think the antenna array is, you're planning to break in and find out what the hell is being hidden from you and why. Ah, so full tinfoil hat. Indeed. Maximum tinfoil. Right. Okay. I think I just named the game. Maximum tinfoil. Maximum tinfoil. Like like maximum overdrive, but not quite. Hmm. So, I, I was thinking you, this was possibly Craig rallying against uh, crappy Wi-Fi reception, which you've been struggling with, but... Yeah. Amusingly, <laughs> you actually cut out during saying the word Wi-Fi connection. Yeah. Shub internet knows. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that one, that one was just a fragment of an idea. Again, just spinning off the idea of the memory bank, but kind of flipping it around. It's not your memories that are stored there. It's this presumably very complicated global set of memories that is overlaying everything. This wasn't a retcon for the for all of the Doctor Who holiday specials where it was very obvious that there are aliens floating around directly above London. Thank you, or was that something else? Um... <laughs> I know they did vaguely, they did allude to the fact that it's weird that history doesn't report the 200-foot Cyberman marching across Victorian London. That did get alluded to, but I'm not sure they ever actually came down one way or the other on it, because it's Doctor Who, and they just don't bother. Yes. Fair enough, too. Yeah, I'm not sure where I would go with with that. You could do the plucky... You know, the, the, the plucky adventuring type. So effectively, go with that whole Doctor Who vibe of you're going to go in there, you're going to come up with something very clever, you're going to disrupt the signal, and the world will sort of blink and shake their heads, and everything will be fine. Or you could do something much darker and creepier. Yeah. It does sound like a, like a, like a Delta Green kind of cr- creepy, weird kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. Because somebody's doing this, it's possible they think they're doing it for genuinely altruistic purpose. Hmm. Or not. Yes, that's the best outcome, as far as they're concerned, or at least. But yeah. Hmm. If you wanted to take sort of the the Matrix approach, but without the battery thing, <laughs> that this was somebody's solution of dealing with a foe that they managed to beat... 
as in humanity, but didn't want to simply destroy out of hand. They instead came up with a way of constructing a world where they rolled the clock back a bit. Hmm. It's possible that whoever did this is actually doing it in an attempt to be merciful. Or it could be that they were doing this while they nicked all your shit. Possibly. Yes, I think it might be one of the um, bleakest notions that the uh, that the Matrix ever introduced us to, is that the, the AIs have uh, determined through rigorous testing that the 90s were the high point of human civilization. <sighs> Events since the 90s have also possibly led credence to this. But, oh well. <laughs> I mean... <sighs> Music <laughs> was doing all right, but not well distributed, he says, <laughs> weakly. Um, it's entirely a matter of perspective. It depends who you are. And so yeah. <laughs> entirely, if that was, the, that was the high point. Yes. I just think it's a slightly uh, humorous observation. Yeah, that <laughs> the 90s were the way to go. Yeah. Yeah, so that was that was my throwaway idea. It probably works best if you amp up the creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you wouldn't have to. You could I, I'm sure there is a light fluffy version of it out there, or at least a, a plucky adventurer's version where you go in there and you punch the bad guy and you turn off the machine using the big knife switch on the wall and everything goes back to normal. Yeah, but what what is back to normal? I mean, you could, you, if you were the the GM who revels in the the savage dick punch. Um, I don't like what you're implying. However accurate it might be, <laughs> if if turning turning off the the the, the dream machine or this this you know this false memory thing, and you discover oh. It's been covering up our, our memories of the horrible war and the lingering devastation and has just papered over it with happy sunshine. Oh, oh, now I'm sad. Mm. <laughs> Maybe it's just that it's this thing is, yes, horribly unscrupulous, but it's also the band-aid that's holding society together. <laughs> if you took a leaf from... There was the Warren Ellis graphic novel Ocean, which... Mm. I, it's been out for a while now. I think the statute of limitations on spoilers should have have expired. But it does have to do with, effectively, an alien race that put itself into hibernation because, at least the implication was, they genuinely couldn't cope with how big a pack of dicks they were. Okay. That basically they were just incredibly destructive, incredibly warlike, and eventually just couldn't do it anymore or didn't want to do it anymore and didn't seem to have any other option at least that was that was one interpretation of of a bit of it so they were they were rational enough to realize that they they would destroy themselves if they kept on doing doing what they were doing so they just chilled out literally for a indeed while. i don't know what the long-term plan was maybe that was the long-term plan is that we can't bring it bring ourselves to kill ourselves but we're doing too much damage to everything around us kind of thing. Imagine if that's what you find when you, you break in there, you, you get into the center of the, the machine, and you find these just haunted-looking people who are the people who keep the machine running, and they're the ones who know why. And the reason was that it was basically, this is us forgetting what we did and who we right. are. 
yeah, the, we basically the we did this to ourselves. And I've got the um, Radiohead video in my mind, which was for some reason came up recently. Guy lying on the street. The guy lying on the pavement. Speaking of the nineties, the guy lying on the pavement, and people start asking him why, and insisting they, that they, he tells them, and he does. And yeah, yeah, that's uh, interesting. Also, good nineties callback. Um, what was the song? The waiter, really, really. Hmm? Uh, the chorus is, is you do it to yourself, and that's what really hurts. Yes, you you broke up entirely for for that. Um, I didn't catch. I I can remember the video. I can't remember the name of the song. Um, the chorus is "You do it to yourself, and that's what really hurts." I'm not sure if that's the title because it's Tom York. <laughs> I'm going to use that as an explanation. Um, the the huge the 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 mega dick move the 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 the, the Thanos snap, as it were, um, is that they break in, they find the the the, the haggard and 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 you know just washed out looking caretakers and they look at them and smile and say finally our replacements are here oh that's creepy yeah because to qualify to be the people looking after the entire world you have to be the people who are boneheaded enough to fight to 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 find their way to the center and these folks get to go back into the lovely soft dream that you have just yanked yourself out of the song was called Just. Just. Okay, cool. Yeah, turns out, Googling Radiohead video subtitles did the job nicely. A score. Yeah, that would be... Th- that, that is a right punch in the, in the nadgers from the GM. <laughs> sort of, congratulations, your character's just got a job for life. Well, until the next pack of, like, paranoid conspiracy theorists go yomping onto the dales to look for the 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 mysterious conspiracy Mm. but until then it's your job to understand the horrifying futility and despair that the rest of humanity doesn't have to yep that's dark okay that's (laughs) and you and you and you do it to yourself and that's what really hurts really hurts Nice. Hmm. Yeah, if, if if I if someone steals that idea, more power to them. It's your huge asshole. But um, I hope the players enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, you'd want. I don't know how I would run that game and not have the players be just utterly let down by the ending. Um, I think what the you need to make it. A make it not an ass pull, basically. Make it if you've got pre-gen characters, you've got a hint that you're destined for something. There's something waiting for you. You are doing things. They run into encounters that imply that they are making these choices and making these sacrifices, stripping away bits of what they knew and what is, it was comfortable, to the point where that is the logical outcome, and it's the yeah. horrible logical outcome. But the fact that they have gone. It, it, it's the labyrinth. It's the it's the it's the you know the the this the sort of the game would would literally kind of be a journey of increasing asceticism and sacrifice and and you know but they're pushing forward because they need to know and once they're there they know mm. the knowledge is horrible but but they know their eyes are fully open and they can yeah. ap- appreciate the world for what it truly is. 
and watch as the people who used to have that job walk off so that they can not experience that anymore. If you if you consider it one way, it is like it's a it's a beautiful sacrifice. They have they have achieved the end of the the goal of their quest. They have they have and they're releasing these these people who have been looking after humanity, you know, to to you know back to you know to their to their to their you know their reward. It just mm. also means that that it, everything sucks now. But it's it's a it's a fitting place to end that story. I feel. Yeah. It. <sighs> I don't remember which what it was, but there was a science fiction short story I read many years ago, which it was very much the style of the times to have a story that is mostly a conversation between a couple of people. And in this case, it's a mm-hmm. human explorer. The, the humans have made it, yeah, finally made it to another solar system, and they found um, found planets that are are human habitable, and they found these sort of reasonably well disposed towards them. Aliens who live there in the ruins of this long defunct civilization, and the conversation sort of eventually comes around to the question of, so, you know, what happened to you guys? Why, why are there all these ruins? Yeah, what happened to your civilization? And the alien says, oh, these aren't our ruins; they're yours. A bit of a, a bit of a way to drop that. Mm. <laughs> bit of a clang. Indeed. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awkward. Hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you knew. <laughs> yeah, well, this is awkward. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. So, we also have a suggestion for... Well, I'll start that again. As part of the continued, continuing discussion of Keramono's idea for fantasy plus post-apocalypse equals from a couple of episodes ago, we had a suggestion from Burning that Judging from the timestamps, didn't quite make it into the previous episode by a few hours. Ah. Uh-huh. And as a as a bit of a reminder to the memory, because I had to go back and remind myself, Ketamono's idea was basically that this little bubble of fantasy jungle starts expanding in the middle of the Sahara when some planes get routed to i.e. sort of investigate it, one of them basically just flames out and stops as it flies over this this little circle of jungle, doesn't restart on the other side and augurs into the sand. And yes, it's this constantly growing little bubble of fantasy land, more or less. Yes. A technologically opposed reality of some sort. Mm. And so burning, and, and we'd kicked around the idea of, okay, so why did the plane stop working? What what happens when it gets to the other side? Will it restart? Um, burning has kicked in. I was thinking along somewhat similar lines to Kitamono, and it occurs to me that the reality shift can explain why the plane stops working without requiring that the laws of physics somehow change without making human life impossible. The spell changes everything into the nearest equivalent that could exist in the fantasy world. For a human or an animal... That's no change whatsoever. For simple, manufactured or constructed things, you get a cruder but functionally equivalent thing. For complex technology, the spell doesn't quite know what to do with all those fiddly bits. So you get a plane-shaped thing made mostly out of hammered steel instead of modern composites. There's some kerosene or whale oil sloshing around in a tank somewhere in there, but there's not really a working system to ignite it, let alone everything you need to control the burn correctly. 
Oh, this thing. Right. Yeah. Oh, this thing's in roughly the right shape mm. for an engine, as close as a skilled smith could get with hand tools. I'm not sure what the electronics turn into, but whatever the integrated circuits are made of, all the actual circuitry is gone, leaving you with an undifferentiated slab of whatever ceramic glass thing the spell comes up with that will hold roughly the right shape. Right, so the mediating intelligence or the, the process that, that does the conversion says, right, okay, this is crazy. You've got this giant metal tube, right, metal tube. It's got things sticking out of it. What are these things? It's like stained glass or jewelry or something cool a bunch of those um it's a furnace i think mm. <laughs> and yeah if it doesn't explode immediately it's not going to fly yep <laughs> uh, we have crossing back out of the green does not undo the transformation because anything that can be crafted in that world could be crafted in ours and the functional equivalent of something useless is well something useless or the there is some carryover damage done and it might revert to being a perfectly normal fighter jet that has just spent 15 seconds functioning like a steam engine. Mm, yes, the, those, func- those, those very tight tolerances aren't anymore. Yeah. Those beautifully machined parts are beautifully machined in the wrong shape. Yeah. How much you want to let the players know about this beforehand is a question, and you need to decide what happens in marginal cases. Could a rifle get changed to a blunderbuss, or would it baffle the spell? Hmm. So it depends on the experience of, or at least the, the paradigm in which the spell functions. It's interesting. Yeah, mm. it's pretty cool. There's probably money to be made by some unscrupulous person throwing, throwing things of uh, that the some things cheaply made in our world through the edge of the portal and dragging them back, hoping them to be converted into something handcrafted. Yes, that would totally happen. Oh my god. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, they may get, you know, set upon by the expanding border of the, the wilderness and then eaten by dinosaurs, but, you know, you know risks are worth taking. Yeah, there, there's, look, artisan construction is a tricky business. If you, if, if you don't want to take the risk of being eaten by dinosaurs, you shouldn't have tried to make craft beer. I'm not sure where that bit was going. I'm pretty sure that craft beer manufacture does not involve um, disrupting the laws of physics. Economics is starting to become more of an issue, but yeah. I mean, I have my personal theories about double-hopped IPAs, but that's just me, and I'm willing to concede I might be wrong. <laughs> yeah. It does remind me, for the... Back probably well over 20 years ago at this point, um, the Dark Conspiracy game system did have a book of sort of alternate universes that one could get to. And one of them was kind of this extraordinary Escher gothic nightmare of a castle where the only thing in the world was this castle that kind of rooms, yeah, windows from one room led into a different room. Um, it probably doubled back on itself. And there were some suggestions of sort of alternative ways that you could, you could play with that based on, well, what if the dimension itself started morphing the things that were brought into it to fit its particular sort of gothic look. So your flak vest starts to become a steel breastplate. Your M16 becomes some sort of musket. Um, and they were going with a very thematic approach to it. So the idea of right. a a member of the group who was in fact a critter in disguise might come through as something that wasn't quite human wearing a human mask. 
<laughs> That's just what that put me in mind of with the yeah the spells doing it its best, so you could potentially have some fun if if it tries to go thematic. It takes a punt at what it thinks you are and just runs with it. Hmm. It's a very interpretive. Yeah. Which potentially means you get a party of um, a party of fantasy barbarians, depending on who goes in. Quite, yeah, quite possibly. Hmm. Okay. Oh, that's pretty uh, interesting approach to the whole the axiom has shifted idea. Yeah. Torg reference? Was it Torgs that had the, yep. Torg that had yep. the axiom? Axia? Yeah, I've got to dig in. How do you pluralize that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, as it happens, I, I'm i actually going to be playing in a Torg Eternity game at this year's Gen Con. Good grief. They've rebooted it? They have. Huh? That is that's is the style of the time. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's important to, to do as many covers as humanly possible, and they're covering Torg. Interesting. Yeah. So you get your Storm your storm Knight on? Yeah, well, the, the pitch for the thing was... Well, it's basically called Day One Nile Empire. And from reading the pitch, they're basically doing it as, okay, so this is the first day that the axioms shifted. What are you going to do? Well, the yeah, Nile Empire is the pulp heroic. Very much sort of Indiana Jones, but with a bit more mysticism and, and gods and so forth kind of setting. Oh, yeah. Sorry. There, and But there's also the possibility of, like, being... I you there are the there are there's there are different apart from the um the overlords the the, the the bad guys basically you the hero the heroes can come from either you could be native to our home axiom and have resisted the change when when the um when the the, the, the world shifted around you so you could be used to be an all person now you're a weirdo in the middle of this kind of night ruining twenties action adventure. Or you could be someone who came over with it, and you're a square-jawed hero from that that milieu. Oh, so you could be either because the the, the these these the the people running these these different axioms are only kind of they're in the same business, not really allied particularly. And the people who they are who 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 lived in the realities that they are extending into other places don't always agree with their aims because they are you know massive like interdimensional dictators yeah it's unlikely they're going to agree all the time in that circumstance yeah and there's lots of revolutionaries from their home axioms and and, and people fighting back because they're bastards Mm. so yeah you could you could you could be like i i expect you could be like either like a square-jawed hero stealing cultural relics for the the motherland or like a priest of of ra or something from the actual um thing or some guy who was, you know, like working in a call center, something little freaking, um, or Dave the backpacker. Yeah, somebody that suddenly, suddenly in the reboot of the Mummy. Mm. Yeah, Dave the backpacker who had wandered out early to try to get some pictures of the pyramids without the annoying camel tour guides in the shot. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, speaking of, so Dincon is Dincon fever is upon you. It is, though I'm using the ointment and it does appear to be working. <laughs> okay. Oh shit! Are we still recording? Uh, yes. Gen GenCon event registration was, I think, last weekend. Mm-hmm. So there was the usual waiting, you know, waiting to push the button at precisely the stroke of midday Eastern Standard Time, and then finding yourself six and a half thousandth in the queue and watching as all the events that you wanted to play in 
sold out. Yeah, the pretty standard Gen Con stuff. They should really, they should really probably present that as part of the event rather than it be mysteriously taking place in you know the surf farms and so forth. They they need they need to bring it up to a more visible level and have not quite your battle royale kind of thing, but you're definitely. Even if it was like just like a crazy marble run or something. Yeah. <laughs> Make it a big like visual spectacle. A colossal marble run. Everybody's um account yeah. ID is written on the, the marble and whoever's marble, yeah, whatever order they end up in is how they well, that's more or less how it works now. Um to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's 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 a little harder to cheer to cheer a distributed like database process. <laughs> that is true. I have seen Various suggestions of more equitable ways of doing the um, of of doing event allocation. When they say equitable, do they mean equitable for me? There are many of them that do involve them. You know, a, a much like the hotel, the the hotel systems or where Gen Con should move to. People's entirely <laughs> obvious suggestion often often weirdly and statistically unlikely often involves the solution that would benefit them. One of the better suggestions I have seen for events is simply rather than getting the first list and assigning as many tickets as you can, the idea of freezing the process at a particular time, getting all of the lists, working through them, giving everybody one event from the the highest priority event from their list that you can and then keep doing that until you run out of events or lists right so go through the you have you have an arbitrary order based on however however the things lined up and distribute everyone's top pick in order rather than going to a list and then filling that up and then discarding everyone else's Correct. Everyone else's picks for that thing. So more people get more of their top picks. Pretty much, yeah. It's yeah, yeah that would that would make sense. Yeah. yeah, I this this was suggested on the um, Gen Con forums a few years ago by somebody who was sufficiently obnoxious about it and just had a very annoying posting style that I actually went and looked up the sort of branch of mathematics used for. Uh, determining running runtime of algorithms to try to demonstrate that their idea was stupid and exponential and discovered that I was wrong and they were right, which was very annoying. Because I really wanted them to be wrong because they were really annoying. Right. <laughs> it's, it's the mode of delivery that was the big problem and made people... Yeah. It's your, your classic message messenger situation there, really. Right. <laughs> You really want to shoot the messenger. The message was secondary. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Unfortunately, the message was entirely correct. But I'm not sure whether... I am not sure whether the software currently exists out there to do what they um, what they were suggesting at a scale and price point that would work for uh, a setup like Gen Con. I, I don't know. I don't even know how you'd find that out. It is probably much less complex to fill up each of the individual's um, games for, or to, 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 to iterate down the thing, looking for people who want to be in that game. All right, I finished that game, close that game off, do the next one. It's been, it'd be a much, simple, much simpler cycle to go through. The one of going through the entire list of people until you fill 
until you fill the games up. Yeah, it would need it would need a different setup entirely. Yeah, I mean, currently it it functionally works. Why change it? Because regardless of what happens, people will stone you. Well, pretty much, yeah. Because I mean, at the current point, whoever gets number one on the list gets everything they want. Whoever is last on the list, uh, a little bit screwed. Um... <laughs> Unless they picture picture it that's massively unpopular. Yeah. Um, I, I I try to do that. It doesn't always work. Um, <laughs> Sometimes your your taste isn't as bad as you think it is. Yeah, I did run into the circumstance this year where, unbeknownst to me, some friends because it does have the system where you can buy tickets for friends. Unbeknownst to me, some friends had bought tickets for me for events. Okay. Their list got processed first which meant that the system wouldn't allocate me tickets for events that I had chosen, because as far as it was concerned, I already had a ticket in that time slot. Huh. Well, you did. Yeah. I didn't know about it. Yeah. I didn't ask for <laughs> it, and I wasn't in any way interested in the fucking event. Sorry. Ooh. Um, nice. Yeah. This also sounds like there should be some, some a, a trading portal as well so people can, can swap things out of course will immediately people will typically try will start try scalping things they and possibly anonymously buying other people lo- um logins for i don't know awful games <laughs> that no one wants to actually play <laughs> yeah dude so i signed you up for 96 hours of magic the gathering games but i hate magic the gathering yes but you can't play anything else anymore <laughs> yeah that yeah that's starting to get a bit a bit sick. Mm. All right. Since we have we have clearly run out of good ideas, and we're just kind of doubling down on our bad ones, <laughs> probably a sign that we should we should sign off for the night. Indeed. Um, yes. To anybody out there who has also gone through the hell of Gen Con events, I hope you did okay. I I managed to get a reasonable schedule. There's some gaps in there, but. Um, I get to try a smattering of games, so that'll be quite fun. Hope you have a good con in a couple of months' time. Indeed. Yeah. <coughs> oh, excuse me. How did I get your cough? I don't know. The internet is very fast. Yeah. And has been cutting out on occasion. Mm. Anyway. The extra, the extra, vi- extra virus packets. Ah, oh, it'll be the antivirus trying to stop the New Zealand death plague from getting through. Apparently, this is an American death plague. Um, uh, oh. I've only got it a little bit because I was vaccinated earlier, and it is actually one of the ones that's gone around the globe the right direction for us to get the uh, the shots in time. Huh. A nice change. All right. Oh, it sounds as if the death plague is affecting my internet connection quite badly. So I'm I'm very pleased about that. Um, if you happen to be a um, telecommunications company. Not a worker for one, but an actual telecommunications company listening to this. Screw you. And that was, I guess, a show. What 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 have we got coming up next? Oi, you had to ask. Um, sh- sh- shall I consult the list? Indeed. All right. So, oh, that one. Oh, yes, this one. <laughs> so, thank you for listening, everybody. Um, stay tuned for our next episode. Episode 108, where the prompt comes to us from Will Myers and reads... The boy was the spouse of justice and a slave to science. You got trouble at home, Will? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just now having uh, tr- tried to, t- 
do that in my head in a Hank Hill voice uh, along the lines of, the boy ain't right. <laughs> the, bo- <laughs> the boy ain't right. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one. This should be... Yeah, this should be entertaining. Indeed. Not sure where to go with that one. Of course, one it could yep. be argued that I wasn't sure where to go with some of the previous ones, and really I should just hang up my microphone. But we all know that's not going to happen. Right, with that dire threat and wrecking in our ears, it's <laughs> time to say goodnight, and we'll see you later. Good night, everyone. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time.